this morning, I want to share with you something that came out of, uh, yeah, much, much like most of my sermons, all the little different things that happened during the week and how they all came together. And my week started this week with watching a documentary on Disney Plus on the National Geographic part of it. And it was all about uh, a, a woman searching for the lost tomb of Alexander the Great. Um, it's always funny going into a documentary that you know the ending of because you know that the tomb of Alexander the Great has not been found yet. And so you go, I'm going to sit down and watch this long documentary and I know how it ends. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm a sucker for a good documentary. So I sat down and I watched it. Uh, it's no different to going to watch the movie The Titanic. We all know how that ends as well. And yet people keep watching it. Um, but so I was watching this this uh, this. Um, documentary and there was this whole talk and all this thing about excavation and as, as they were talking about excavating and digging up and, and, and finding what lay beneath and what's under the surface of a whole bunch of things God just started to speak to me in that moment um, about excavating in our faith and about ex excavating in his kingdom uh, and then the rest of my week I kept coming across these I went to bed that night and I was reading a, a book a fiction book and the chapter was all about an excavation site um, and the previous chapter hadn't had anything to do with it. And I was like, whoa, this is weird. And then so it just it just kept coming up in my week as, as so often it, it does. Um, and then there's just been all these other little bits and pieces that have been happening uh, in my week. And I guess part of what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the excavation of, of the Christian faith. I want to talk about the excavation of the kingdom of God. I want to talk about the excavation of your beliefs, your values, your morals, um, and, and encourage us collectively to start digging a little bit to find what lies beneath. Um, fascinating. In, in this story, um, in this documentary that I was watching, this, this woman who's searching and believes that she's on the right track to finding the lost tomb of Alexander the Great, uh, one of the things that she's been doing is excavating and digging in, um, in in the city of Alexandria in Egypt, and they believe that they have found you know, they found these stones. It's definitely a walkway, and it, it indicates that it's the walkway and, and the foundation stones of the the royal quarter um, from from Alexander's time. And, and so, the fascinating thing about that is they found these stones. They found footpaths, and they found them the equivalent of ten meters under the ground about 35 feet, 10 metres under the ground, they've found these steps. And so the city that is built there now, the modern city of Alexandria, that is built on top of the foundations, one of the things that they went through and they showed it was, so here's, you can see the difference in the, in the soil and in the dirt. On the bottom, you've got um, the, the ancient city of Alexandria, the royal quarter, probably where the streets that um, Alexander the Great walked on. And then above that, you've got, the, the, the Roman roads that were built and all these, and then you've got the next level and the next, and then finally on the top, you've got the modern city, the pavement of the modern city of Alexandria. And, and it just, again, God started to speak to me about how in our faith journey and in the history of the church, um, you know, because you could probably say the same thing about, you know, when we go to Jerusalem, when we go to Israel, the grounds that Jesus walked, actually how many layers since that time uh, are on top of that? And, and I just felt like God was showing me this picture of actually the history of Christian faith. You know, over years, we've, we've paved on our next revelation. We've paved on the next denomination. We've paved on the next, um, uh, you know, 
expression, generation of music, song, all these sorts of things. And all of those things are, are good because they allow us to build. But I also felt that one of the things that God is calling his people to do is to begin to excavate and to begin to actually dig through all of those sorts of things. Because some of, our, some of us have built our lives not on, on the bedrock, the foundation of Jesus, but we've built our lives upon the tradition of man that has been built on top of the foundation of Jesus. And so there's this invitation. And I just, it's, it's been kind of going around my head, around my head, which leads into this um, message that I want to share. Um, it's, all, it's all related. Um, around, I, I guess, where I think, the community is going, where I think society is going next. Um, you know, I, I've had a lot of people ask. I've had a lot of people, um, you know, I get emails. I get one, one of the things that I think is really interesting is almost anyone who has a video or an article or something that someone shared with them or that they found, um, I'm one of the first person, one of the first, one of the first people uh, that um, they send it to to go, hey, what do you what do you make of this? What do you think of this? And um, you know, I consider it an extreme privilege to be held in that. Um, you know, that, that you, my opinion matters to some of those people. Um, and, and so, just looking at kind of that. But one of the things that I'm a big believer in is, you know, I, I love a good theory. I, I there's lots of theories that I, I mull over. But when I preach, I try to preach in absolutes. I try not to let anything come out of my mouth in the public sphere that hasn't gone through a, a, a milling over process. I've got people that I mill over things with. but So I've been reluctant, I think, to speak into some of, you know, okay, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? What do you think of this? And I go, well, I've got lots of theories, but actually I don't want to share my heart with you. I want, I want us to hear the heart of God. And that's going to be my ultimate goal of today's message, is, is how we hear the heart of God. Because yes, we find the mind of Christ together. We find the mind of Christ that through others that are around us, but there also needs to be a part of um, uh, what we do that that is rooted in Christ, in that bottom layer. And so one of the challenges that I want to put to you this morning is in your thought process, in your discernment process, in your critical thinking process, how deep does your foundation go? Uh, when you're when you're reasoning things, do you just reason from your the top layer, your immediate experience, what you know, and do you reason from a little bit lower, which is what my, you know, what my family believes, what my you know, or, or lower, which what my favourite preacher believes, or what this theologian believes, or what this denomination believes? Uh, do you go lower again to go? Well, this is what the early church believed. This is what you know, or do you go right down to go? This is this is what Christ believed, and all of those things become formative in our theology, they become formative in our relationships, they become formative in how we do things. And I would rather, I, I think I was listening to a, um, a, a doctor just yesterday and she was talking about a few different things, a devout Christian woman. And one of the things she mentioned in that time was um, around the importance of discernment in the church. And I believe, and so, you know, in terms of if I'm trying to talk just in absolutes this morning, here, here's an absolute that I believe. Uh, I believe there is a time coming, and perhaps is all, we're already in it, where discernment is going to be so important for the local church. I think that, the, and for the for, for individual Christians, I think for a long time um, we've been able to play it safe. It's like uh, someone else will um, will help me process it. Someone else will think for me. 
but I think there is a time coming where discernment is going to be absolutely key. And I believe, in fact, we're in, in so much of that time as well. Um, the, it's becoming the difference between, I love one of the things that they talk about at, at, at Bethel Church, is the difference between growing big churches and big people. Uh, and I'm far more interested in growing big people than I am growing a big congregation. Uh, I want us to be able to wrestle with things. Um, and one of the things that concerns me is how many Christian leaders I see, people who are held in that regard for, you know, I, I, uh, I ask this person for advice when, when I'm looking at trouble or I'm looking at, and how many Christian leaders I'm seeing that are getting caught uh, in stuff that I just go, Where, where's your discernment at? Um, again, everybody has their own individual sort of thing, but as leaders, we, we have to be um, careful with what we're leading people into. So um, I want to talk about within that, this whole thing about, I want to highlight a couple of key areas, a couple of uh, interesting scriptures, because one of the, um, you'll have seen maybe uh, that I shared it on Facebook this week, there was some discussion around um, the, uh, you know, conspiracy theories around the government and sickness and the virus and rah, rah, rah. And it's the first time I've ever addressed anything like that openly, because normally I just go, ah, I'm not wading into that. And all the comments afterwards were, were very respectful, but at the same time, very time consuming. And this is why I don't normally wade into these sorts of things. But I also know that it's things that's what's going on in people's head. And I want to use, rather than the, um, the circumstance, I want to use the principle, which is this. Uh, when we look at the world we're living in now, there are so many influential voices. We are surrounded by, by voices from the moment we get out of bed to the moment we go back to sleep. There, there are just voices absolutely everywhere. Uh, and I'm not just talking, you know, so you've got the media, you've got online, you've got family, you've got your peers, you've got your pastor, you've got your church community, you've got your hobby group, you know, just surrounded by all of these different voices. Uh, and, and even a couple of weeks ago, I remember talking about with our congregation, about even within the church, you can be surrounded by multiple different voices within supposedly the same one group of people who believe the same thing. And, and it ultimately, it gets confusing. Uh, and if not confusing, it gets draining. I don't, I don't know about you, but there are times where I just get, get drained with, processing all the information i don't know whether it's just you know so many articles and, and media presentations and church sermons and all these things just kind of bombarding at you and somewhere in the middle of it you've got to discern what god is saying and that's why again i believe discernment is becoming such an important thing um there's an interesting uh analogy here because the bible talks about um the Bible has these two points that I want to highlight because one of the articles I was reading this week was talking about um, how people use persuasion to, um, to to convince you of something and how people use persuasion in your fears and in your, in your anxieties and in your dreams and in your ambitions. And, and I guess the question becomes, is persuasion a bad thing? In our faith, as we're sharing our faith, how do we persuade? How do we encourage and um, I want to share a story with you. I've run, um, in my short time in ministry, I've run a couple of preaching courses uh, for people who have gone, hey, would you teach me how to um, prepare a sermon and present a sermon how you, how you do? And one of the things that I always do when I sit down with that group of people is the first thing I do is I, I divide the whiteboard in two and I ask them on, on the left side. I go, okay, tell me what makes a good sermon. 
and, and all the things that come out of, of, of that, out of a good sermon, uh, people say things like, oh, it's, it's biblically inspired and it's, um, you know, it, it glorifies God. God's the center of it and it's, uh, um, it's, it's encouraging and it's, you know, and, and you get all the biblical answers, right? You get all the, um, all the scriptural, all the spiritual, it's all about, you know, it's rooted in the Bible and it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's meat. It's something to actually chew on. It challenges people. And then, and then I go, so you go, okay, so that's what makes a good sermon. And then on the other side, I go, okay, so now tell me what makes a bad sermon. And the thing that I, that I always point out, and it's happened every single time is without fail, the bad sermon is never just the ones on the other side. It's, it's never just the opposites of what we're on the good. So, you know, you ask, what's a good sermon? And they say, well, one that's based in scripture. What's a bad sermon? And they, no one ever says, well, not one that's based in scripture. What they say is, oh, when they drone on or when it's a monotone or when there's no, no entertainment, when they, you know, when they just, you know, and so all the things that make a good sermon and all the things that make a bad sermon are not opposites to each other. And I use this to highlight uh, and I think that there's an application here this morning for how we share our faith, um, because we put a, a lot of emphasis on um, needing good content, and then we judge people based on their presentation. Of, it doesn't matter how good the content is, if it's badly presented, I'll, um, uh, you know, I'll come to you. And one of the things that um, I think is really interesting is we live in a world now where everything is so slickly presented that we focus more on the presentation than we do on the content. We focus more on how it looks than, than what actually its substance is. Uh, and, and there's a danger in that um, because when you look at the in, the in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, where God created Adam and Eve and he, and he put them in the garden and he gave them um, truth, he gave them rules. He says, you can eat all of this, but do not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent comes along and what does he do? He persuades them. But there's no substance to his words. There's no evidence to his words. What there is is clever language. What there is is clever um, uh, um, yeah, framing of it. It's persuasive with no, uh, with, with no substance. And the difficulty is, is we live in a world now that is becoming increasingly focused on, on uh, presentation as opposed to substance. And, and it's a difficult line to walk because it's the church. What do we do? Do we do we bow to that and do we get on board with that? And these are the scriptures that I've been looking at um, because I, I love what um, Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 2. He talks about, come on, again, no bookmarks. Uh, First Corinthians chapter 2. We've got to make up some time here, people. Chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 1. It says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And so when we look at that first uh, picture, here's, here's Paul saying, I chose not to use persuasive language or emotive speech. Um, 
and so we can start to go, well, okay, so is emotion and persuasive speech and all these sorts of things bad? However, then we start to contrast that with Mark chapter 1, verse 22, uh, which is where Jesus is preaching. Um, in fact, let's work Mark 1, 21. Then Jesus and his companions went to Capernaum, and as soon as the Sabbath began, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. Verse 22, the people were astonished at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the scribes or the teachers of the law. And so one of the things that stood out to, to the people about Jesus was the way he spoke. He was sharing the same words, but there was a conviction, there was an authority, there was an unction and an empowering that, um, that captivated these people. And so we've got this whole thing, this whole tension. And um, I guess what I want to look at and within this is starting to look at how we navigate the Christian faith. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of accusations that get thrown at the Christian church. And there's a lot of things that are happening in the world that I think if we're not smart to, we'll miss. And I don't, it doesn't matter whether it's the end times or not the end times. It doesn't matter whether there's this or that or whether the government's doing this or doing that. These principles are universal regardless. And they are this. Uh, persuasion in itself is not the problem. Persuasion without truth is the problem. But equally, so is truth without persuasion. No one likes listening to a teacher that has no um, passion behind what, the, what they're sharing. And so the difference ultimately comes down to influence versus manipulation. Uh, one of the things that is incredibly fascinating to me is that influence and manipulation appear to be uh, two different manifestations of the same spiritual gift and leadership. We live in a world today that throws the word influences around, influence around a whole lot. Instagram is full of Instagram influences. These are people who share photos and share posts and share pictures and share products and, and they get paid big money by corporations. Why? Because they've got all these followers. When they use something, other people want to go out and buy it. And, and so everybody wants to be an influencer. But I wonder whether it's the, the right definition of the word influence or whether it's in reality manipulation. I think every influential person can be manipulative. I don't think every manipulative person can be influential. And so the danger is, how do we walk the line? As, as Christians, we want to be influential for the kingdom of God. But if we're not careful, we can step into being manipulative for the kingdom of God. Uh, manipulation in the kingdom of God leverages people's fear. It leverages people's um, anxieties. It leverages people's uh, idols. And so it uses all the things that, that God came to destroy to instead try to 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 get what we want manipulation is the is essentially the lowest form of witchcraft and let me explain it to you this way manipulation is using your words or actions to bend someone else's will to your will manipulation is to use your words or actions to bend someone else's will to your will and and if you think about it we're surrounded by that every single day you know, one of the things that frustrates me, I was having a conversation uh, just this week on the phone with someone, and we were talking about um, the the accusations that get leveled in the leveled at the church. And one of the accusations that, that gets leveled in the church, and I've, I've heard this one, 
is that churches is only interested in brainwashing children. And, you know, all that, all the, all the church wants to do is get our young people uh, and, and brainwash them before they become, you know, smart and good thinkers. And so that's why we pray on children and all that sort of thing. And the thing that makes me angry about that statement is that from a moment a child is old enough to speak, they are bombarded by manipulation and persuasion and, and brainwashing than every other thing they face from the media to the whatever. You know, we, the enemy is not wasting any time in trying to persuade our young people uh, into the, the, the behaviours of the world. And, and I cannot sit by idly and, and watch while that happens without doing something as a church. And so all these accusations that get made, often we're very blind to the other side of it. And, and so I would, I would caution us in this time within church, there is a time where it's coming, there are going to be accusations leveled against the church. There are going to be accusations leveled against you, um, which are often the very thing that the enemy is doing, but confusing that manipulation with that influence. There is a point in time where if we want to protect our people, our families, our communities, that we have to, to trust what God is saying and what God is doing. Uh, but it has to be done in the right way. And that's why having your roots in the right place are so important. Because at the same time, you know, I hear a lot of talk from, from um, Christians at the moment about don't be sheep, don't fall for this, don't fall into that. And then in the midst of all of that, I find that actually we're all doing the same thing within our churches. And we have to be able to think critically. We have to be able to uh, take everything to Jesus, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the mind of Christ. Uh, let, let me read this one to you. Uh, because 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. But do this with gentleness and respect. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer, but do this with gentleness and respect. I love that because it's, it, it's the key difference uh, between that manipulation and that influence. One of the things that I love um, is the, you know, we looked earlier on at the story in Genesis um, about the serpent that was persuasive with, with no substance. And Jesus knows that, right? Jesus knows that the ploy of the enemy is to come in and to be persuasive. And so warns us to that. When he sends out his disciples, uh, he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, but as innocent as doves. Be as wise as a serpent, but as innocent as a dove. Uh, I, I think that there's a fascinating... Um, challenge there for the church because it, it, it encourages us that actually in, in the world we cannot be afford to be ignorant we need to have wisdom to to the ploy of the enemy but we also need to have wisdom that the ploy of the enemy is sometimes to distract us with something actually that that, that isn't there does that make sense and so that's why that wisdom has to be rooted in god and not in the latest trend not in the latest article uh we Here's my other challenge to you. For every article you're reading, for every piece of media we're consuming, 
we need to be consuming twice as much of God's word. We need to be consuming twice as much of, of his challenge, of his truth, of his wisdom. Why? Because discernment is rooted in God. And in order for us to find his truth, we need to be in his truth. You know, these two verses um, that, that I want to share with you. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. Okay, no, let's, let's start with this one. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, these, these verses were both shared with me on the same day by two different people uh, a couple of months ago. And I just found it really interesting. The first person sent me this one. It was 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And it says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. So they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to the myths and, and, and legends and, and popular opinion. Amos chapter 8, verse 11, and, and I want to draw your attention. So Timothy started with, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Amos chapter 8, verse 11 says, the days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine throughout the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine for hearing the words of God, a hunger for hearing the words of God. People will stagger from sea to sea and roam from north to east, seeking the word of the Lord. And, and, and so I love this because there's this, there's, this, there's this paradox in there. And I actually think Amos feeds Timothy because the the prophecy in, in Amos is there is a time coming where people are going to be so hungry for the word of God. I believe that we are entering a time, especially when we get bombarded with information from sundown, sun up to sundown, bombarded with information. All people are hungry for is the truth. People are hungry for the truth. Uh, and, and so I see that. I, I mean, I see that in emails that I get sent. I see that in, in videos and articles. All I see is people inside the church and outside the church, who are hungry for the truth because there's so much confusion in the world. However, we need to be careful because within that, it says that people are hungry for the truth. People are hungry for the words of God, but there will be a, there will be a time come. And actually, I don't think these times are mutually exclusive of each other. I think we're entering a time. I think we're in a time right now where people are hungry for the words of God. They're hungry for truth in the midst of a confusing world. And we have to be careful because in that same time, there's also that challenge of people where people, there are time coming where people will no longer listen to sound or wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their ears want to hear. And so there's this, there's this paradox within every single one of us where our spirit is hungry for truth, but our flesh is hungry for what our ears want to hear, for what makes us good. And, and as, a, as, as Christians, we have to find how do we offer the truth that people are really hungry for. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus offered in, uh, he said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And there's this whole thing that is happening in the midst of that. And, and you know, one, I, I think that we have to uh, become, as Jesus said, wise like serpents, but gentle like doves. Why? Because we talked about this uh, the last few weeks. The, 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 um, 
completely just lost it. Sorry. Um, yeah, gentlest us. Why? Because the world will know that we're different by our love for one another. So love has to be our constant motivator, our constant driver. And, and so, but we also cannot afford to not be rooted in Christ. The difference between influence, influence and manipulation is whose benefit is it for? Manipulation tries to get something for my benefit. It's trying to get something for you that is going to benefit me. Whereas influence is, I want to give you something that will benefit you. I want to encourage you that as we go into this next season as a church, we have to be so fixated on giving our community, giving our community, reaching our community through saying to them, there's so much confusion. Can we help you find peace? Can we help you find rest? Can we help you find uh, a foundation? that is buried beneath everything else that gets piled on top. We have to become, you know, in this off-the-map vision that we have this year, as we're excavating, part of what I feel like we're doing is, yes, we're discovering new territory, and part of what we're also doing is rediscovering lost territory, rediscovering lost truth, rediscovering lost principles, rediscovering lost relationship with God. And, And so, you know... I want to encourage you not to get caught up. Don't get caught up in the ways of the world. Often when we see the world becoming manipulative, when we see the enemy becoming manipulative, the very thing that it does is causes us to become manipulative. I want to encourage you as a church, as a believer, do not become, do not use the, 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 the ploys of the enemy as your own weapon because ultimately you end up doing more harm. We, we all know stories. We've all met someone who, who has been hurt by a church who, in the name of Jesus, manipulated people. Jesus was not a manipulator. Jesus' disciples were not, a, were not manipulators. Jesus was the most influential character of his time. And, and I can, I'm convinced of today. Jesus is still influencing the world. You know, the Bible says that the government rests upon his shoulders. The Bible says that every knee will bow to him. Jesus, when after his resurrection, reappeared and said, all authority under heaven and under earth has been given to me. Therefore, part of what we take peace in in this time, where you're, if you're finding confusion, if you're finding all these different things, start with finding your peace and that Jesus is in control of it all. Jesus has authority over it all. Jesus is not a manipulator, and neither can Jesus be manipulated. And so instead, when we see all these different things, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be uh, resistant. uh, We don't have to be um, defensive. We simply lean into the God who is our foundation underneath it all. Underneath it all. Underneath the tradition. Underneath my denomination. Underneath my family upbringing. And we say, God, come and have your way. Like Paul, I choose not to, to use manipulative words, persuasive words to try, and, to try and evoke false emotion or to play on people's fears. But like Jesus, I want to tap into an authority so that when I speak, when I open my mouth, when I say something, people go, that man, that woman preaches with an authority that I have not seen and I have not heard in others. And as we root ourselves in Christ, truth will make itself apparent. Right now, 
you might not be able to see truth but if you can see jesus who is the truth he will reveal it he said i will send you the holy spirit and the holy spirit will guide you to all truth you will not find truth through a good pastor or a good preacher you will not find truth through a good news a good news service or a good whatever you will not find truth on the internet you will not find truth uh in in a book you will find truth in the holy spirit leading you in every circumstance and i want to encourage you that this is a time where more than ever we need to be rooted in god i believe there is a time that is coming and has come much like it talks about an amos and timothy where people are hungry for the word of god they're also itching for someone to tell them what they want to hear and it's important that discernment becomes such a key part of who we are as christians we're going to need to discern and pray and trust god like never before and so but in that we must remain as gentle as doves because if we lose that then we've already lost the character of jesus let me pray for you as we finish this morning god i want to thank you that your word says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are lord that every principality under heaven and under earth bows its knee to you that you have all authority god as we live in a world that is surrounded by voices that is surrounded and, and many of them persuasive god many of them well polished well rehearsed well scripted in in what they're saying but lord we pray that we wouldn't just fall for good presentation but that we would focus ultimately on the substance and god we pray that as christians we would be people of substance not merely of persuasive words lord that we would have not the authority and the uh not the authority or the uh presentation of man but the authority and the presentation of christ lord that you would be revealed in these days that you would be revealed through our love for one another uh lord as we continue to embrace what it is that you're showing us as we continue to knit together into a tighter net we pray for a harvest we pray for a breakthrough uh for for those in our community not so that we can boast and that we can have something but so that they might know the same freedom the same truth the same life and the same peace that we have the privilege of knowing in jesus christ our lord amen amen